1: Hello and welcome. It's your uh, bonus, I guess. Managing Madrid mailbag. This is your host, Gabe Lesra. I'm joined by my man Om Arvind to just take a bunch, a bunch of your questions. And got to say, Om, um, lots of actual football questions, which kind of (laughs) sucks. Yeah. Every time we ask,
2: you know, for for our our listeners to ask us anything. They don't take the opportunity and really ask us anything. They just ask us the same old questions about football.
1: But the good news is that we do have one new topic, and we're finally going to get the answer on it today. No one's ever given us the the full rundown of this topic, so I'm really excited to talk about it. Who is better, Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi? And that, I mean, I'm glad <laughs> <laughs> glad we're finally going to answer this question once and for all, and it won't ever be discussed again. But, no, in all seriousness, we – um. Yeah, this is your show. Uh, we are going to be giving all of our patrons, obviously, first blush, where you guys um, you know, uh, get all your questions in first, but then we're going to get, I think, a few from just the, the people on, uh, on the social media, see where you guys all are. Um, just, just putting it right out there to the many people who asked us to basically say who exactly Real Madrid is going to sign this summer. Um, I know the answer, but I won't tell you. So I'm sorry, that actually is um, managing Madrid policy. Like They tell us (laughs) everything they're going to do in every game, but we we don't let that slip. So sorry, if you tuned into this to hear um, the inside scoop about which big stars Real Madrid is going to try to sign this summer, um, yeah, you're going to be disappointed because um, this is our policy not to reveal the inside information that we have.
2: Yep, but when it comes to tactics, you know, when, when, when Zizu sends me those DMs about his tactics, it's our policy to reveal that immediately. Because, yeah, instantly. Because uh, as some of, uh, some of the people who've messaged us directly on Facebook have reminded us, we're giving away Real Madrid's tactics and helping our opponents, and we're
1: not a true fan page. That's a really good point. I forgot to mention that this isn't an actual... Um... You know, none of this is actually a Real Madrid fan account. We're actually a Real Madrid sabotage account, and that's all we do. We try to sabotage Real Madrid in every possible way, including by uh, being good friends with Zinedine Zidane and his uh, his his medical staff and revealing all of their secrets on, on our show, especially <laughs> on Ohm's articles about tactics. <laughs> um, uh, so we will answer your tactics question. So hi um, to entire technical staff of um, Bayern Munich. Um, yeah, you guys are going to get your your questions answered. And if you guys had bothered to ask us a question, we could have answered it for you. But we won't now. So you didn't. You didn't ask. So what? we'll you'll have to make do with the, all of the secrets we're going to tell everyone else. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's just jump in again. Patreon.com slash ManagingMadrid. If you are, again, one of the people tuning in to uh, see if your question got answered, you always get your question answered if you throw us $5 or more a month on uh, on Patreon. It's a hugely, really, and wonderful way to support uh, your independent Real Madrid journalism, journalists and students like me and Om. Uh, but it's also just the way we uh, produce this show and... and, and um, it's incredibly nice, but also you do get benefits. So if you give us five bucks a month, we answer your question. Every single show, $10 a month, you get a shout out. And then there are even higher levels than that, up to uh, you can sponsor the show. You can even join the show for an episode. Um, and uh, one of the most popular tiers is uh, Keon writes articles for you. So you get to commission an article from Keon, which uh, is is actually a pretty cool thing. He's done some really cool work for people. So if you want, you do that. Um, One dollar right until for the next basically a week gets you access to all of our uh, patron shows, uh, all the back catalog. And if you have already contributed one dollar, that's fine. But starting May 1st, we are raising the minimum pledge to three dollars. That means that in May 1, three dollars will be the minimum pledge to get access to our patron content and uh, the back catalog of Managing Widget Podcasts. Also, if you, you know, at that level, we will right now if you ch- you up your one dollar to three dollar pledge. Um, you we will follow you on Twitter from at managing Madrid. Um, so that's another perk. But if you are at one dollar, um, you're going to be grand grandfathered in, so you won't have to change your pledge. Um, okay, sorry about that housekeeping. Uh, um, do you? Let's just jump in, right, dude? Yep. All right. Um, So first, from our guaranteed patron section, um, we have a few questions. Anas Alazawi um, asks us, Kaler has been fantastic and finally earned the respect of many, yet he suffers from defensive mistakes. Do you guys think these mistakes can be fixed with tactics or, say, signings? For example, another experienced center back in case two are out at the same time. Um, also Keon, how's your book on flow coming along? Yeah. Keon's not on the show, but I will, we will pass along that question. He'll answer it next time he's on. Um, so on, do you think, do you, first of all, do you agree with the premise of this question? And second of all, if so, um, do you feel like Kaler's defensive mistakes can be changed with signings? Yeah. So I'm,
2: I'm I'm honestly curious as to why there's such a collective appreciation for Navas's form this season, especially. Um, not that I, it, it's it's the kind of I'm entering kind of dangerous waters here. But I, I want to make sure I phrase this carefully. But I just I don't think Navas has been that great at all this season. I mean, there's there's a number of mistakes he's consistently made throughout the season that I don't think you can say was just an isolated incident there are mistakes last season as well like the one against betty stands out in my mind and then we had the recent once again one against juventus which was just unforgivable and it's not something the old killer the pre-injury killer would have ever done so I wouldn't say he's been fantastic, but I would say, weirdly enough, despite his struggles, he has earned the respect of most Madridistas. And it really surprises me because of the way we treated Casillas, or at least a portion of the fan base did. But in my opinion, Casillas was making maybe half the mistakes Navas was across the entire course of the season. And each one was blown up in the media. And a portion of the fan base crucified him for each one. Yeah. Now, obviously, obviously, I do not want that to happen to Navas, no matter how bad a mistake he does. I'm not saying that that's what we should do to Navas. I'm just drawing an interesting I'm parallel there between the two players because I find the way we've reacted to the two keepers when they've been struggling interesting. I, yeah,
1: I, totally. I mean, there is some explanation in the, the, the reason. I mean, we're looking. There's a period in time when... Everyone was going at Casillas was partially that uh, Madrid simply weren't winning. I mean, like there's a reason like that you're looking for scapegoats all the time, and people decide to 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 I mean, as we know, even with Madrid going through this this epocaly great era, right? People are still looking for scapegoats when things don't go right, and that's what happened with you know what keeps happening with Benzema, Bale, Hamas it happened you know previously with 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 plenty of other players and and Casillas was just the most recent like an example of it at that position i think i, I don't really I, t- I actually do agree though um i'm i'm not really understanding the the obsession and and, and love of Kaler for him this season he's been great obviously real madrid have won ton you know two champions leagues in a row with him in, in net but i i don't really get the i don't know the kind of I mean, when we criticize him, people tend to uh, to come aggressively at us. They tend
2: to freak the fuck out. Is what you're trying to say? That's
1: right. Exactly what I'm trying to say. I mean, people and and and, and, and that's the weird,
2: and the weird thing is, is that I don't think I I do understand the Kayla admiration in a, in the sense that like he he's just a great guy. Like everything you see about yeah. him in the media, everything you see about social media, he just seems like a very very humble, down to earth guy. Very very likable and one thing that i will always admire about him is his mental strength so constantly there's always rumors coming in about a goalkeeper that's going to replace him whether it's De Gea whether it was Donnarumma whether it was right. Kepa and Navas hasn't said a word you know he he's come back from injury i mean especially after Casillas left and there was immense pressure on him in that first season in that 2015-16 season when he was The starter for the first time to perform. I mean, he performed like some like like peak casillas in that season. It was absolutely incredible. So, that kind of mental strength, I think, is very endearing to people. But when it comes to a purely footballing perspective, I'm not sure I understand it. Um, I mean, people have strong reactions, I think, because they just like the guy a lot. I mean, I do too. But I think to stretch it over into like just the pure footballing arena and then say that he's played really well. I, I don't think he's accurate.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Um I would also say uh his hair is dope now though. I like his man bun. I think it's the best of all of the people doing it. I don't man like it. Right <laughs> I, I don't know like no it. one likes like it seems like no one likes it. It's a little bit behind, like man buns were really cool a couple years ago, but like I don't know. I like it the best. It's the most like actual like samurai man bun that we've seen yet, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so Anthony Vasquez do you feel like we I – I guess we didn't answer the second part of this, which is could some of his mistakes be fixed with tactics or signings? Um, so
2: I'd I really have to go back and look at all of the mistakes he's made. and I, I, I want—I intend to do that at some point, not because I enjoy watching Killer Navas make mistakes, but because <laughs> I want to see if I'm being fair. In Because, in, you know, s- some of these things are just, especially when it comes to something as rare as mistakes, it's possible that we're looking at this and we're we're, we're just looking at one or two and blowing it up. I mean, I don't think I'm doing that, but at some point I want to go through and look at every single go real Madrid conceded and see how many Navas were at fault for. And also to kind of answer this question, yeah. how much of it was down to tactics? My feeling is, without doing that, is that... The mistakes specifically are not down to tactics. That it's just like him miss, like not being able to catch the ball against Juventus and then just dropping it is not really down to tactics. But I will say that the amount of pressure that is sometimes put on Navas' goal which leads to goals conceded that aren't novice's fault is down to tactics. Like we've mentioned over and right. over again, how we can weaken transition in the press, blah, blah, blah. But I don't think his specific mistakes over the course, the course of this season have been down to, to tactics.
1: No, I agree with that. Um, I would also, I I would say that the, the idea that signings would somehow alleviate these problems that I think especially, you know, is, is, is a little far fetched. Like, I uh, I just don't I don't see I don't even see how it's relevant to be quite frank. I mean, maybe he's talking about a new keeper coming in to push Kaler for the job. Yeah,
2: I, I mean that's the only way I would
1: see it, right? Like a new keeper who's less
2: mistake prone comes in and therefore affects the amount of defensive mistakes. That...
1: Yeah, I, I I think that might be what he's saying. He's also, but he says, for example, bringing in another experienced center back in case two are out at the same time. I I I don't yeah, even see how, how that's um how that's relevant to be frank.
2: I think maybe I think maybe because for, I mean I think we already have a, as good a center back you know person as we're going to have but I don't know if we had like uh Canovar or something or like some great right. awesome defender come in uh, which uh, funny I said Conavarro cuz he came in he played pretty badly but whatever um
1: he <laughs> was good for a few years really calm down I, don't know, I like watching
2: him <laughs> so I guess he's saying if we get, like, just a better center back, it comes in, and then he can alleviate some of the pressure on Navas's goals so there's less of a chance of him making mistakes is the way I kind of see that.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. know. I'm not sure I see that. All right. Anthony Vasquez um, is asking us about Bayern. We're going to get a bunch of Bayern questions, so just bear with us. Um, But I think this is a particularly good one because it references yesterday's show um, that Kian put up with John Dillon from Bavarian Football Works, our sister sister site, um, and a good, great friend of uh, Managing Madrid and the Managing Madrid podcast. We've had a lot of different people from um, B- Bavarian Football Works on over the years. So, Anthony um, asked us So, Bayern's greatest weakness or weakest link should be the goalkeeper, right? John Dillon said he'd stepped up and even been good. But in my opinion, Madrid should still score three to four goals in this tie just because of the goalkeeper. Well, obviously, okay. look, Neuer has been injured. Um, Neuer was the best goalkeeper in the world before he was injured, and he hasn't basically played since. Um, And so obviously losing the best player at any position from your starting 11 is going to make your team slightly weaker. I mean, I I would agree with that. I, I don't know... If
2: I'd say he's a weak link, though, I'm because he's saying Madrid should score at least three to four goals in this tie because of the goalkeeper. So I I just wanna say one thing about just goalkeepers. I think first of all, it's very very difficult to assess goalkeeper quality due to the rareness of saves. Yeah. So it oftentimes it really takes us seasons and seasons for us to like really look at a goalkeeper and say, all right, this guy's right. legit. And second of all, because of the rareness of the saves that have to be made, I'm not sure that the difference between the elitist of goalkeepers is that vast right. between an average goalkeeper.
1: That actually I mean, is something I've been saying for a while, that the difference, so it's very possible that, that we'll be wrong about this, ohm, but the, in my view, the difference between the best goalkeeper in the world and what we would call a replacement-level goalkeeper is going to be worth fewer wins if that like this is using a lot of like m- modern statistical language to talk about a sport that really doesn't understand this, but it's going to be mm-hmm. worth fewer wins, right? Than the mm-hmm. difference between having a you know league average replacement level, say, uh, center attacking midfielder, and uh, the best in the entire world, right? That that the difference there is 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 major and uh, season defining, whereas. I'm not convinced that that's the difference in the if if you have those uh, that difference in the goalie. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I agree completely, and I
2: think it has to do with the rarity of the events of saves, like I was mentioning before, because compared to things like shots or tackles or passes, it's just not something that you see that often, that therefore a goalkeeper of a very high quality is going to have less of a chance to separate himself from goalkeepers of of an other level. And also, I mean, these guys are playing in the top flight. I mean, this guy's playing for Bayern Munich. These guys are playing in the first division uh, of the league in the country. I mean, they're extremely good. I mean, move to any other position. And we we, we tend to talk in superlatives. We, we tend to say that this certain player is just like 20, 20 million times better than this other player. I mean, they're certainly, I think like Ronaldo and Messi, they're certainly significantly greater than other players. But if you really, really look down to it, because we're at such a high level, the difference between, you know, b- between players at a high level and players who are just good isn't as high as we like to think. Yeah. And I think I think because of the nature of the goalkeeping position, this is exacerbated even more. Yeah. So I don't think we can go ahead and say that, oh, we should just score three to four goals in this type because of the goalkeeper. I mean, to me, that's a very simplistic analysis.
1: I agree. Uh, and just to, to fully expand on what I meant when I said wins, like this is a actually a been a point of contention um, in statistical analysis of sports for a very long time. But when we talk about wins and we talk about replacement-level players, these are actually not just kind of theoretical constructs. These are statistical constructs that exist in a lot of sports that you create, say, a player X in Y position. Um, you take all of the basically the league average numbers – and basically say this is what we would call the league average player or, you know, in some cases in, in baseball, it's actually even a slightly more complex ca- uh, categorization because uh, it, it's it's the replacement level players. Essentially, what what would happen if we called up a high level like minor league player to put at this position? But the but the when we say that and when you say the difference between good and great is actually not that big, I would agree. I would say, though, the difference between like replacement level and great is huge. When it comes mm-hmm. to, like, uh, some of these positions, like at, at you know, the difference between playing, uh, you know, bench warming striker at Getafe X with Cristiano Ronaldo actually is going to change the mm-hmm. outcome of a number of like will, like I said, will be the, there will be. A definitive change in the number of games your team wins by itself. I'm not sure that that even that huge distinction, right? Bench warming keeper at mid-level team coming in for Neuer. It's not obvious to me that that changes a lot of games for Bayern. Yeah, and I and, think that's what we're saying.
2: And, and I just want to be honest here. Like, I I had no idea who this guy was before he he started <laughs> playing for Bayern, and I haven't really paid attention to his career, what he's been doing at Bayern. <laughs> so I'm not sure if he's the you know, the, the replacement level player on the bench for a mid-table club type right. he you might know, be, level. We think he's better generally, or, right? Yeah, or if he's actually a very good player but not world class. I mean, but like Gabe said, I think because of the nature of the position, I don't think it makes too much of a difference either way. But I guess we'll see. I mean, but I think really the more important battles and the more important um, aspects we should be focusing on are like, you know, how is the midfield battle won? How are we going to stop Robin and Ribery on the flanks, et cetera, et cetera?
1: Yeah. Um, All right. A few transfer-related questions from my patrons. Jihan Watson, long-term friend of the show, um, asks us, with Zizou's loyalty to Kaler scuppering the Kepa signing, would he not do the same for a David De Gea signing, or would Perez overrule? I'm hoping for, for Donnarumma as the potential to have a top-three keeper for the next 12 years for me outweighs the negative of Raiola. Not to mention, I could envision a one-year platoon-type situation with Kaler, which perhaps would appease Don. thoughts. So basically... Uh, keeper situation, I think that the, the main thing I wanted to, to to answer with this question is, it does seem like Zidane has a loyalty to Kaler, I understand that I'm still angry about the Kepa thing I understand Keon like, you know, questioning it, but it just seems to me to be one of the stupidest things this club has done in, in a long time, just given purely the value for money and i it's not my money so whatever but like the idea that you wouldn't take this you know really really high end very young improving keeper for pennies on the dollar right that he's worth on that he would be worth on the market uh is is still annoying me <laughs> but i uh, i think the real question that you have uh, jihan is would you know, uh, Zidane potentially try to scupper or get in the way of a David De Gea signing. Um, and he might, but I think that De- David De Gea and Perez have making been making, like, flirty eyes at each other for a while. And, like, I think it's possible that in this case, Perez would... Uh, would go out and get him. I also think Gian, this is just uh, with, again, under the assumption that Madrid keeps um, Zidane, which is not guaranteed and that Perez doesn't say, look, Zidane, we love you. And we're very happy with your service, but uh, it's time for me to step in and kind of take a more involved role in getting some of the talent that I want for this roster. So ultimately who play, who is on this roster is up to the president uh, and the board. So David De Gea coming in would be Perez's decision, despite Zidane whining about Kahler. Um So I don't know. Uh, do you have any th- thoughts? I, any I, answers to these questions? Um, Om? So I. Uh, so so far from from what we
2: understand, and I I think we should be clear in that we don't understand too much about how these these who's in control of what in terms of transfers, especially in the Zidane era. Most of this is just rumors, but I think we have a decent understanding in the sense that Zidane has a a big say in who's coming into the team as opposed to someone like Benitez or Ancelotti. He has more of a Mourinho type role in transfers. So I I do think it's possible that Zizu, if he scuppered the Kepa signing once could do it again, but Perez said something really, really kind of dangerous. You know, either it was today or yesterday, where he he put out this this statement in support of Kaler, saying how he was such a great player, how he something about him working really hard and how Real Madrid backs him and loves him. And you know, when Florentino Perez says something like that, he tends to do the exact opposite. I mean, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> the, the statement, the statement in support of Benitez before he was sacked, like two weeks later. I mean, th- there's this like kind of history of Perez doing those kinds of things. Um, I think this may be like, like you said, Gabe, one time where Perez overrules Zidane. I mean, I think Perez wouldn't have qualms doing it I think he has the power to do it I think he was just respecting the fact respecting Zidane's status and respecting who he was in the footballing world by allowing him to have such a say over transfers but I think he might step in especially with a statement like that I mean I say it kind of in jest but also you know it's it's just like it's kind of like a signal about when Perez is trying to do something And as for the Donnarumma thing I mean yeah, I mean, I actually agree with that. I was really high on the Donnarumma train, especially last season. But Raiola and that whole situation and, and Donnarumma's relationship with the Milan fans kind of exploded and it turned Ramadan fans off to him. I mean, Rai- Raiola is a bit of a loose cannon, but Donnarumma, people have forgotten all of that, that Donnarumma is still insanely good. He's still only like 19 or 20 years old. He's got the whole world ahead of him. I mean, I would go for him if we could, but I wouldn't be devastated if we didn't and one for someone like Kepa, who I think would be a safer signing.
1: I agree. Um, I mean, and this is a lot of this, Om, right, is going to uh hinge on the quality or the the way madrid ends this season i still i still stand by my points from the last few podcasts that we actually don't have any idea other than the fact that they've told us all their plans but we don't really have any idea what the, the roster is going to look like next year and that's partially because we actually don't know how real madrid is is going to approach the off season, right because if madrid uh you know, wins the Champions League, et cetera, All the things I've said previously. Then maybe Madrid goes into this off season feeling like, hey, like we don't need to make big changes. We've now won the Champions League three times in a row. This is the arguably greatest greatest squad ever put together. Like maybe we don't mess around too much with this. Now, if Madrid gets eliminated by Bayern, loses to Barcelona, suddenly things are looking like, hey, maybe we need to do a bit of a squad revolution where we kind of emphasize youth and bring in a couple other, a couple big, you know, big players. Then maybe, or maybe a new manager, that kind of stuff. It could all change, and there are only a few games that are going to define how we look back on this season, uh, as 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 it sort of has been for the last few years.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really, I think it's a really good point. I mean, it's insane to think that one result essentially could change the way we approach the entire off season, But I mean, I think that's absolutely correct. I mean, given the importance of the Champions League, whether we win it or not. Could you know it could determine Zidane's job, which could then determine what happens to players like Kaler and it could determine the, 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 the people we pursue or don't pursue in the summer transfer yeah. window?
1: Um, next question comes from um, Adrian Rios uh, who says he had to pay, I had to pay that five dollars a month because I felt like someone has got to ask the tough questions that we Madridistas don't want to answer. All right, all right, all right, let's see. So, uh, here are his two tough transfer questions. First, let's say we end up in a similar situation as last year with having to let go of James because his position was too packed and he was too big of a star to sit on the bench. Who would you rather let go? I can't believe it. Who would you rather let go of, Bale or Asensio? I didn't add Vlachos because I don't think he ends being on the bench as much as the other two stars. Realistically, who do you think would be better for the team short term and long term? Out of the two, all right. So the premise. Let I think this is what we'll say, Ohm. I don't think either of us wants to accept this premise, right? That mm-hmm. there is an either or decision here. So, with that out of the way, uh, uh, um, Adrian, Adrian, like you, you should understand that we do not think that this is an either or decision. I'm not convinced that even the board or even the players think it's an either or decision. In fact, we've seen them play together. i I really strongly feel like this is not a required either or decision. but we will go ahead and accept your pre- premise mm-hmm. and what is your answer accepting all of the stuff that we don't agree with?
2: Asensio, I mean it's it, it doesn't feel right to say that I mean rather let I, go
1: of Asensio
2: no keep Asensio keep sorry Asensio, right, yeah. keep um simply because of what he's going to give us in the long term and
1: age man that's it
2: yeah age and also Bale's injury is always a huge question yeah. mark so let's say because I still think there's like two more years of peak Bale but there's a potential injury like halves that so I think without a doubt, when you really think about it, it would have to be essential because of age.
1: Yeah, and that's my my answer also, age and injury. But but I I don't think it's a – so again, I don't think this is a either-or scenario. You're forcing us to pick, um, but it's like forcing me to pick two of my kids because I love these two players so much. <laughs> my future, the future Real Madrid that I would design would have absolutely have both of them in there. So there are many – a number of other players I would rather jadison before either of these two guys. Um, second question, second tough question from, um, Adrian. Um, we all love Navas and all that he's done over the last couple of seasons, but we've seen how hard it is for Zizou to make the tough decisions and buy new players. And thus we've skipped out on David Achea and Kepa when we could have brought them in. Has Zidane been making the right decision by opting out of buying them or should he have brought these keepers earlier when they were cheaper? um, Okay, for first of all, I'm on record saying for, that we should have bought both of those keepers. So I don't. Know, you can go back and listen to the show, um, even a couple days, de- weeks ago. Oma, I came on and said, despite the fact that Kayler has been great and that I love Kayler and and he's an incredible player and and I'm very happy for his service. That fax machine thing was a big night. Was quite bad for Madrid because David de Gea is I has evolved I think into the best keeper in the world. So and you know Kayler not like he's good but he's he's not best keeper in the world. Now that being said, as you mentioned, there's not a huge difference between best keeper in the world and top 7 keeper in the world, but still mm-hmm. the difference is there is a factual difference. If you look at David De Gea for example, this incredible uh, new stat that I saw from um, Statman Dave I th- or someone who's doing this, which is basically expected um goals allowed goals allowed versus expected goals allowed which basically calculates how many uh how how well a goalkeeper prevents goals that otherwise they would have been saved from going in um he has was has the highest rate in the Premier League and it's not even close um it's crazy the numbers that he was putting up with respect to stuff like that he is genuinely people talked about Manchester United having a good defense they don't they have David De Gea who has been the best so yeah, that that was a mistake and um the Kepa thing seems to me like I said to be a 100% obvious mistake when you could have brought him in, you could have played him whenever and then you could have slapped a, a bit of a price tag on him if even if you didn't want to keep him. You could have got turned him around and flipped him for more money. It's like more like what we were saying about Morata. Like this is so dumb on both of them. So uh
2: yeah, so I mean so I, it, when the fax machine thing happened, I was actually, I actually thought, you know, that was a good thing and that, you know, Navas staying was the way to go. I thought that seeing, because people, people didn't really remember at the time Navas's a season uh, in 2013-14 for Levante, I think it was, I mean, he was just absolutely right. incredible.
1: World Cup, of course.
2: Right, yeah, I mean, it was insane. And I still remember that. I thought, listen. I, I don't think he's necessarily been treated that fairly in the entire Casillas situation. If we give this guy a chance, he's going to be incredible. And so, for that first season after the fax machine debacle, or I, I, yeah, I was, I was vindicated, I think, because he was he, yeah, he was absolutely insane. But looking at it in hindsight, I think I, I would have, if, if I could have like changed that decision and brought him to here, I would have, because Navas got injured and he played through injury and it wasn't so great, and and we are where we are now. But I don't think it was the biggest, biggest, I don't think it was disastrous mistake given the season that Navas gave us afterwards. But I think the Kepa thing was just a disastrous mistake given, given what we knew at the time, given the price tag, which would have been a lot cheaper than anything we would have paid for De Gea, and given that Navas wasn't playing as well, I and and given also Kepa's age who's way younger than both of these keepers
1: and that Kiko Casilla was playing at replacement level or below whenever he yeah. got the chance he was he was really bad yeah
2: so it was just not something i understood at all i mean i i think there could have been a chance even to bring kepa in kind of do what barcelona did with ter stegen and bravo and and yeah. eventually eventually Put Ter Stegen on top of Bravo and move Ter Stegen up, like do that slow transition, yeah. so we wouldn't just throw Navas out. And in case Navas raised his level, we would start him because that's that's how it would work. Yep. So I mean, it wouldn't be like we just had to kick Navas out, right? I thought there were so many ways to oh, go about too, this man. that I just I'm I just still don't
1: understand. I think still... I
2: think it was a terrible decision. And if somehow for some reason we can't get Kepa in the summer because something changes or it becomes too expensive. we're going to look back at this and we're going to kick ourselves because this was a huge opportunity.
1: Huge. Um, so if you, I mean, like these are two tough questions, but again, um, I think there are answers here and I think um, you were vindicated. I still think that, you know, having, uh, when we could have gotten him would have been better anyways, but it doesn't matter. The point is now Madrid is likely in the market for a keeper. So, um, not necessarily because they're ready to jettison Navas and That's why I liked the Kepa signing so much. Just like you were saying, this could easily have been a Claudio Bravo Ter Stegen thing where they both work together. And and Kayler absolutely. That's what really baffles me is that Kayler seems to clearly have this mentality that he is a team player who's willing to uh, you know be there for the team. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. And he he would he seems like the type that he could have he could be a Real Madrid lifer. Like, I, I actually mm-hmm. don't think that there's any reason that Madrid needs to sell Kaler, even if they bring in David De Gea Dun- or Dunarum or any of these people. I bet that Kaler would be happy to be a Madrid lifer, play, uh, you know, in, in, in the Copa games and whatnot, sh- still show off, play for Costa Rica, and then retire, you know, after five or six years, you know, of, of being Madrid's second keeper. And, and I, I don't see... There's nothing in, in his personality that indicates that he's ever had a problem with that idea.
2: Yeah, and especially for a Kepa or a Donnarumma who are coming in really young, it's not like they would just come in and relegate Nawas to the bench immediately. They'd have to fight for their place. I mean, we've seen that with a lot of young keepers who've, who've come in under the tutelage of more important, yeah. of, of older keepers, sorry. They've had to fight for their place, and it's taken a season or two for them to eventually win it. So it's not like Navas would have just had to accept some yeah. kind of secondary role immediately. So I, I mean, I personally think that would have been ideal. I would have loved to see that. I think Navas's level would have improved because of the competition. Because as as we talked about, Navas's mentality is incredible. Yeah. But I mean, it is what
1: it is. It is what it is. Um, and uh. Uh, Adrian uh, Adrian just wants to finalize. He wants to dunk on Keon. And Keon, you said novice is still top five this season, but I think Aderson and Allison are both um, more deserving of that fifth spot. Um, oh, wait, whatever. Uh, I, it's because I made the point that I said Keon, uh, that Kayla is in top five or whatever, but it was just kind of off, off, my, out of my ass a little bit. Um, Ian Marley, another uh, wonderful patron of the show, asks us, What do you think of Maurizio Sarri as a coach? I think what he has done at Napoli is outstanding. And personally, I'm a big fan of how his team's play. Do you think he would be able to make Real Madrid play the same way um, with the players we have? I'm saying this without downplaying Zidane's ability as a coach. I'm just curious.
2: Okay, so I'm a huge, huge Sarri fan and... I basically want Napoli to win the Serie a title just because he's the coach and the kind of football he's made them play. And after beating Juventus, they they, they have a, they have a real chance of doing that now. Um, so tactically, I mean, he's just brilliant. I mean, he oh, plays Oh, I think
1: you're forgetting that it's it's really immoral and rude of teams to score against Juventus or really have anything <laughs> good happen to them, especially a late goal like that. Man, it's so bad. has a trash can of a heart, man. So rude. I just like he, if he wants to do stuff like that, he should be in the stands with his wife drinking a beer and eating some potato chips. <laughs> <laughs> Um, sorry. Go, go ahead. I, I also like Mauricio Sari a
2: lot. So, uh, so as I was saying, tactically, he's brilliant. He plays, he he, he plays positional play, obviously, and it's a very kind of a, a slightly more direct, faster style. Um, he likes to play a lot of vertical passes, a lot of wing combinations. You know, it's a slightly more difficult style than I think what Pep Guardiola does, but in my opinion, it's the most entertaining football I've ever seen. Um and it's also extremely effective. I mean, if you look at the defensive numbers, not just like this the surface ones, but looking at XG numbers both for defense and offense, I think they're like second in the league for offense or first or and first or second in the league for defensive numbers because they also press really well. So absolutely considering the quality of players Real Madrid have, we could we I think he'd do even better with Real Madrid in terms of the type of style he wants to play. And I think would be even more devastating. The only catch here is, is that he he hardly rotated this season. I mean, I don't think Napoli's depth is the greatest in all honesty, but they did have a little more depth than last season and both seasons that he's been with the club. He's hardly rotated at all. And it nearly blew Napoli's chance at winning, winning the Serie A title because They got gassed, essentially, by the end. And you could see, even, even versus Juventus, even though... I mean, they had that extra motivation because they needed to beat Juventus. They hadn't done it in a long time. They still look tired. And the style of play, they like to play is extremely intense. It's a lot of pressing, a lot of work to win the ball back, You know, constant movement off the ball to create all these passing combinations. That would be my only worry about this guy if he was to come to a club like Real Madrid... And and not rotate, um, yeah. But otherwise, yeah, yeah, yeah. otherwise, I think he's fantastic, um, and yeah, I'm just really happy with what he's done. And I hope Napoli can capture that title.
1: It would be great. Um, he reminds me; some of his stuff reminds me a little bit of of uh, of Jurgen Klopp and his BVB playing that kind of smash mouth football in Germany. Um, but uh, I, I would also say that. Um, there are, there are coaches who I love watching, and the, Sarri is actually way better than the person I'm about to talk about, but whose teams rule, and they're really fun to watch. And this Napoli, and only in that respect, reminds me a ton of Marcelo Bielsa's Chile, that was just so much fucking fun to watch. That that it's a style of play that he just basically puts says everyone is gonna sprint for every second of this match, and. Uh, it is so much fun to watch. It is one hundred percent a thing that does not work over the course of a year, which is why Marcelo Bielsa has uh, entirely failed in every single like long term non uh, international job that he's gotten. <laughs> but he does, he did, you know, do the do the crap out of that Chile side, man, and that was fun as hell to watch. Yeah, I and
2: and also the thing about Sari is like. He, he he is kind of a cult of personality i mean you can look at some of his training sessions or read articles that are described it. i mean he'll just be sitting there with like a cigarette in his mouth you know barking orders at his as team as they run around and press or whatever i mean he has that very much like kind of kind of character about him that that you identify in some coaches so i mean he's just he's just a badass man like that owns. that's I, so cool I, I mean every everyone Everyone likes him, besides like Juventus fans. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I I have yet to meet so- uh, someone that's not a Juve fan who doesn't who doesn't like this guy.
1: Yeah. Last of our guaranteed patron questions. Uh, Anton Hackberg wants everyone to know. I'm um, I another patron. Um, Frederick Sundros. Are going to the semifinals against Bayern in Madrid. If anybody else is in Madrid during the semifinals, throw me a message. You can get him get through to him on Patreon, um, for any of the patrons who are there. Just hit him up, man. Go get a beer. That's awesome that you guys are going. Can't wait to hear back. It's going to be an incredible atmosphere. Um, all right, let's jump into some of the um, non guaranteed patrons. For again, five dollars plus, you get guaranteed answers on every question. This time, because literally just a mailbag, we're going to try to do as many of all our patri- patrons' questions as possible. Um, Ignacio Lobregat asks us, um, all right, so Ohm, um, this one's for you reading Ohm's uh, latest article in defense of Gareth Bale's recent form kind of got me thinking, which player in our history do you guys think benefited the most from the change in position on the field? And who do you guys think would benefit the most from a, who do you guys think would benefit the most from a position change? Like, for example, do you think Teo could switch from a left back to a wide midfielder or a winger, or maybe by imitating Javi Martinez and learning to play a holding midfield role? So so, I, ha- I haven't really thought about this question. So just off the
2: top of my head, for the player in, in our history who benefited the most from a changing position, I'm just going to say Marcelo because he was initially a left winger, which is why he's so damn good at attacking. And I think moving him to the left back position just added something else to, to our team because it provided us with the attacking qualities of a world-class winger at left back. And he also had some defensive is- instincts that, that have grown over time and has made him just into a brilliant player who arrived from deep when defense is least expected in positions that really benefit his skill set. And as you can see, I mean, it's he's been a huge, huge part of all the success that we've had. So I think, and Marcelo, in my opinion, as I mentioned many times before, has become the greatest left back in the history of this club. So I think he really benefited the most from a change in position. Um, and as for our current player... I think what you said, uh, Ignacio, about Vallejo imitating a Javi Martinez position, I talked about this before. I mean, I personally think I think Vallejo should stay as a center back, but I do think in in, in a different universe, it would be very, very interesting to, say, to see Vallejo become a defensive midfielder because I think he has all the qualities yeah, that that, that could be great in that role.
1: I would also say that the idea of uh, Teo switching to left wing is a terrible idea. I I don't mean to, to, to push this on you. I just I think that 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 Madrid needs to groom Teo to use his physical gifts and, you know, abilities to become the future of that left wing for Madrid and I don't think that turning him into a left winger, which is a position that is in modern in the modern game like almost requiring you to be able to switch around in your positions and play more centrally like one of the Mm -hmm. few positions left in the modern game that guarantees you most of your time (laughs) playing wide is the wing back and that that is exactly what teo's skill set is good for i think he he's still an incredibly in my view an incredibly exciting prospect um despite like and, and i think he's he's shown it um and he's shown flashes of what he can do and and I, I would not want to mess with him. I think he's he's developing the way I want, and he's developing, uh, you know, tactically. He's developing physically, and, and I just I wouldn't mess with him. He's he's really good. I wouldn't start saying, hey, maybe what you need to do is start learning how to like uh, uh, play left left you know left midfielder and exchange like short passes with Tony Kroos. Like that's not this dude's game. Like it's not mm-hmm. going to work for him. So like don't mess with it. Like let let him develop a little bit.
2: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. All
1: right, um, last patron question. Wow. All right, last patron question. Um, MB. So this is this is a great question, my man. And I, um, I'm going to loop the audio into this now um, that MB is talking about. Um, I'm sorry for the people who don't speak Spanish. I, I am. So you can just skip ahead um, after after I read this question. Um, so, how is the reaction in Spain to the Isco tweet about Juan Macaastaño? Seems juicy, but almost everything about it is in Spanish. Anything worth knowing about? Okay, so I'm going to loop the audio
3: now. Dal, muy buenas. Bienvenidos al partidazo de la cadena Cope, en otra noche histórica de Champions. El Real Madrid está en semifinales de esta competición y lo está en medio de un escándalo. ...de tamaño mundial y un escándalo que puede ser recordado durante muchos años. Minuto 93 de partido, con 0-3 en el marcador para la Juve, el árbitro, el inglés Michael Oliver, pita un penalti de Benatia sobre Lucas Vázquez. No sé si aprecia empujón, patada o ambas cosas del jugador de la Juve sobre el futbolista del Real Madrid. Lo pita y lo hace en una acción que se va a recordar prácticamente para siempre... Me quedo con esa reflexión de Paco, cómo sería la reacción de muchos si esto hubiera sucedido a un equipo español. El Madrid ha hecho un partido lamentable, cobarde, desaparecido sin la pelota, pero el Madrid está en semifinales por un milagro. Otra vez un milagro para los madridistas y para los que no son madridistas por un robo. Lo de hoy pasa a la historia, nunca va a haber acuerdo en torno a la jugada que hemos vivido esta noche. Buenas noches, no es una fecha para la historia del Barça, ni tan siquiera para la historia del fútbol, es una fecha para la historia del deporte. Lo que ha pasado hoy en Barcelona en el Camp Nou es historia del deporte. Aquí estamos en el partidazo de la cadena COPE, en directo, con ustedes desde las once y media, contándoles la gesta del Barça, partido inolvidable en el Camp Nou, victoria 6-1 ante el Paris Saint Germain, sigue adelante el Barça, con un guión absolutamente increíble, porque para el que no haya visto el encuentro no es un 6-1 normal, es un 6-1 distinto a Okay, so that was Juan
1: Juan Castaño um, talking in two different... And one of the things that really gets me about this is that he's basically wearing the exact same outfit, but in the first... Um, in the first, you know, chunk of that clip, it's him talking about how Madrid had executed one of the great heists of all time. That the game against Juve is is polluted. That blah blah all that stuff. And then the second part of the cl- clip is him talking about how Barca's victory uh, over PSG, where you know they obviously there were a number of <laughs> almost unforgivable refereeing mistakes that gave Barca that win, basically. Um, was pure and great and the greatest comeback of all time, et cetera. And Isco, Isco tweeted it, and he tweeted this, and and it was incredibly, uh, it was incredibly damning. I mean, like, he Juan Castaño looked disgraced and and damned by these two things because you have the videos also looping images of like Suarez diving and like the handball on PK that didn't get called and all this stuff that like the actual clear refereeing mistakes that happened in that game. Um, it, the only thing that is worth knowing is that it happened that Isco was involved. That, that I think, is the, the real takeaway. Like, obviously, the Catalan media and the Madrid media are going to disgrace themselves like this. They're going to have different standards. They're going to be hypocritical sh- sacks of shit. They're going to be incredibly horny for their own teams. And they're just going to be wet big boys. And that's what Juanma Castaño is. Now the, f- <laughs> the fact that Isco is involved is the is the story here. And it it is it does kind of own that Isco found... Someone sent him this video and he decided to tweet it. Okay, so, so holy shit. I'm just seeing all... As
2: you were saying all of this, I, I, I just looked at all of this now because my head is in the sand. And I had no idea about any of this. This fucking rules. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love it when players get into this shit and they just destroy hacks yeah. for saying absolute dog shit like it's just awesome. I mean, it happens a lot more in the NBA, but in it's not that common in football. So when it happens, I mean, it's a really like it, it's an awesome moment cuz it's them kind of getting more personal and almost acting like like a fan. I feel like Isco was completely justified and I think sometimes you just need to you just need to shut these guys up because they talk too much trash and they often go unchecked and to know that like you know, players kind of ha- they they know that they're talking bullshit, and you know to see them kind of respond in in such a an humorous way as well. You know, not letting the journal that that journalist know that he's got to them, but rather kind of trashing them in a humorous, made p- kind of painting them as a joke. I think is just awesome. I wish our players would do that more often. But the I fact wish that everyone would
1: could, do it more often, these, I mean, it, it absolutely rules. These these the well, you what, what it's important to remember, and I I don't mean to. Malign anyone who's been on our show who we know, but what's important to remember is that the Spanish media is full of absolute hacks whose entire job is to, uh, uh, you know, to be the mouthpiece of the horny uh, moist segment of the population that only cares not like about their team and the narrative surrounding their team that. Uh, and that creates that narrative, right? So these guys are the sa- are the people that uh, would, you know, and this is like a radio show. So this is the kind of guy who is on your drive time radio who uh, is going to yell at you about how Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, hates all his teammates, spits in their faces, like tried to fight them in the dressing room while quaffing his hair and getting a blowjob from someone. Um, <laughs> and then about how Messi has never done anything bad in his life that the entire Spanish government was conspiring to create. Uh, an attack on him uh, for his tax fraud case. Like it's it's these these kind of people are hacks. They are not real journalists, and they should be shamed as much and as often as possible. And the fact that the players are getting involved is great, and that owns. But we as it also sort of means that we have fans has failed, and we need to be more in these people's faces about how hacky and shitty they are. I think. Well, I, <laughs> I, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, I think part of the problem is
2: is. There's so many people who are, who are like obsessed and like believe the shit that like Chiringuito and like those kind of like organizations like the content they put out like so so many of the times we're not critical of the stuff they're putting out that it allows them to spread like I mean you've obviously seen Chiringuito videos I mean like some of the slow motion stuff with the dramatic music and then I I look at the number of likes on the tweet and it just it just boggles my mind that people look at this and they're like. Yep, this makes sense. I, I, I like this kind of content. I mean, right, like you said, it owns that players are doing this, but us as, like, football fans Yeah, we need to be consumers. better
1: consumers of media yeah. to know that this is all bullshit. And, like, it just goes back to the whole, you know, these people are – I mean, and this guy should be ashamed. Um, he's disgraced himself in his profession. But the fact is that we – uh, we should be savvy, savvier consumers of media generally. And like when Mundo Deportivo puts an obviously photoshopped image on their cover. Uh, of Ronaldo's abs. <laughs> or, or Ronaldo's abs or of, of literally what they did with the um, Lucas Vazquez foul. Oh, in the yeah, that's shit. Where, where they literally moved. um, uh, What's his name? Uh, Luke, I, I don't know who they moved. Benatia. They, they moved Benatia. Benatia away from Lucas to look like he wasn't touching him. And this is the kind of thing that needs to be called out by us as well as uh, uh, by the people that are involved and and everyone we should know, you know, this is, Evan was complaining about this on our, on our Let's Speak Football that we recorded a couple of days ago because the Juve fans after that match were engaging in like a shitload of, you know, revisionist history where they posted all this junk about like, you know, how the Calcio Poli actually wasn't a real thing about how, about how Juve didn't do anything wrong um, about how it was all a big fraud. Um, and, it, you know, that's, that's, you know, it's bad. It's, it's funny. It's all this stuff that we, we love to joke about, but it's also like, Hey, how about like, maybe don't you know, engage in the, this awful fake media bullshit. <laughs> like don't make shit up like that. It's awful. I mean, uh, anyways. I- The reaction in Spain to this, I I actually haven't, I'm not in Spain. So I wish I was, um, but I I, I can only imagine that it's exactly like the reaction we see online, which is awful.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I just quickly want to say that we also got to like remember to be critical of this type of stuff when it's going in our favor because it's it's not like there isn't like a huge contingent of Spanish media that is pro Madrid. I mean, there is definitely that contingent and they spew a lot of bullshit about Barcelona and other teams. And I mean, because obviously opposition fans are going to get onto this kind of stuff and criticize it. But, you know, that doesn't affect them as much as, you know, fans who who benefit from that kind of stuff. if, If they step back and say, you know what, we don't like this kind of content because it's not honest. I mean, I think that really is, is what needs to happen. I mean, I'm not so optimistic that will happen, but I think that's really what needs to happen here.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Um all right, let's take uh let's take some non patron questions. First of all, really um stepping up the insanity in some of these questions. So um good job. Uh but this guy, this is my favorite one. Um Ashroofer Lamb at Ashroofer asks us Neymar? What do you think? What do you think that could possibly be about? Like, I, I understand, like, that I know, I, I, we all know what you're trying to ask us, but it rules that you just sent his name and a question mark. And, um, I think the answer to your question is maybe. <laughs> and we leave it at that. And we leave it at that. Um, Rebecca Teasdale, another great question. Um, uh, <laughs> I, just, like, I don't even know how to get into this one. Should we start two out of Vasquez, Ascensio, or Bale to have cover for Marcelo and Carvajal, or or are we going to work Marcelo as a slave as we always do, asking him to be a left winger and fullback at one, then blame him when he can't get back? Um, I, I, I assume you're talking about the Bayern game. Um... And uh, I mean, maybe don't talk about slavery. <laughs> I just don't don't call like asking players to run slavery. It's probably not. But um, so, what do you think, Om? Should we start two out of Vasquez, a century, or a Bale to have? I mean, to have cover for Marcelo. Yeah, I mean, I
2: think we have to go with the wide formation here. I I would. I mean there's the next question kind of touches on this and it's like more directly at that so I won't talk about it too much but I think it has to be like a 433 with the four or something like that or a four-two-three-one with like a 4141 defensive structure to defend, to defend wider areas and help protect Marcelo.
1: All right, so let's get into the second question. Um Abimanyu Dabas, I'm I'm doing my best. If I pronounce your name wrong, you can direct all your anger to @infantino on Twitter. @infantino, <laughs> um, despite working just a handful of times, even after being applied two dozen of times, do you think the four-four-two diamond midfield formation has any future for this Real Madrid team because it's the only way to field their strongest lineup on paper? Or do you instead prefer a flat 4-4-2 with Vasquez and Asensio combining with their fullbacks and having more emphasis on a crossing game? Basically, what I'm asking is, which formation do you think is more productive and gets the best out of the squad since one formation... I think you're not asking, you're saying. This is obviously a leading question, but whatever. Since one formation sacrifices width offered from forward players and requires fullback to play as wingers, which leaves large gaps to exploit from opposition wing players. Whereas... The um, learn about periods, man. You can make these sentences smaller. Whereas the other formation sacrifices a defensive midfielder and doesn't completely free up the playmakers. <sighs> okay. Um, so, with Diamond, Ohm, this question has actually been asked in some form or another on a lot of our shows, so why don't you give the answer? Yeah,
2: so... I, I think the diamond's dead. I, I think, Gabe, you feel that as well. Keon has definitely yeah. expressed that sentiment. It's just teams have figured out how to exploit it. It's just we concede far too much on the flanks. Juve destroyed it. You know, Douglas cost on particular. It's not something we could go into. Knowing all the evidence, we can't go into the Bayern game playing this formation. Um, I think a flat 4-4-2 with Vasquez in a sense on the flanks is decent. But if you read my, my Gareth Bale article that was mentioned earlier in the podcast, I, I I would prefer Bale coming back into the team and something like a four three three I think would be fine. Um, I I don't think Benzema's been in great form so I might play Ronaldo at the forward position and have I think Bale and Asensio out wide, and you know in that kind of like four three three or maybe even a four two three one with Isco at central attacking midfield, which you know, would then allow us, it, it, it would give us that width on the flank, it would allow us to protect Marcelo, which is crucial against players like Robin. And I mean, it's, it's fairly straightforward. I mean, I don't think too many people disagree with me here. We've I mean, been, maybe
1: about, yeah, maybe and, about the and game, You and I yeah. have been begging for this four, two, three, one for this, this whole like six months. So that's our obvious answer. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Second part of his question. Uh, no, I don't want to answer this question. I don't care about this one. Um, we've answered it like 90, 10 times. Um, all right. All right, last question. Um, we have been recording. Oh, look at that. That's almost a full hour of content for you guys. All right. Um, so from HermitCrack3 at Petru underscore Clasher asks us, um, maybe this was covered, but I'm really curious how our potential narrow uh, diamond – God damn it. Missing, I must not have read this. Well, we'll counter against Munich's total midfield domination. This domination comes from Muller and Hamas' tactical genius. Our midfield will get tired quickly, and or It could be a disaster. Also, this might sound mad, but I think our bench should include Kovacic and Llorente. We need good subs that can defend. Lucas Vazquez is perfect for this match, as he was unlimited stamina and his work rates are good, though I want Bill to start, but not as a striker. So basically, this dude just repeated all the things that you just said, um, as far as I can tell. But I do think that noting Müller and Hamas as uh, big threats to Madrid uh, is, is actually quite important. And... It's going to be scary to watch Hamas because he he's going to be a man on a mission coming to the Bernabeu, folks. Yeah, I, Hamas is. I'm
2: I'm a little scared about this match, um, and it's mainly because of Hamas and because he, he just has that quality. No matter what you do, he can find a way to break your defense down. And his I I'm so glad Ramos is back because his crosses from deep wide areas have been insane if you've been watching Bayern Munich this season and Ramos is our best player in the air in defense
1: and he's gonna need to have a hell of a game yep he really is I I am worried about this match I I am I am not able to do a prediction about it but I am but partially because of that um I mean, I've made jokes about how the pundits have been getting owned by Madrid every every single match for like the last two years in the Champions League, which is true. Um, there are some pundits, pundits who've literally picked against Madrid in every single elimination match they get drawn into. Um, but this is the one that scares me the most out of them, um, all of them yet. So um, I really think this is a good Bayern team that has... <laughs> The types of players doing the types of things that could beat us. I I I actually do think that a Kovacic, um, Casemiro, or Kovacic, you know, someone double pivot could be really useful in this match. Actually, um, hope assuming basically Casemiro falls back because he's a big body to um, kind of cl- crowd the center of the of the area for these uh, aerial balls. Because one of the things that we've been seeing home is just taller. Forwards um, find Carvajal and own him. And that's been happening far too much. And Juve basically showed people how to do it. And we've actually seen it a few times since. And that is that itself is a terrifying thing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of we're finally getting a taste of our own medicine
2: because that's what Ronaldo has been doing to opposition (laughs) fullbacks the entire course of his career, right? I mean, that's the advantage of having a tall, aerially superior player on your left wing because Mandzukic was playing um, on the left wing in the final. He played in in the 2017 Champions League final. He played on the left wing. Um, I mean... Most, I don't know if, like, there's any fullback we could really get who could be really good there because most good fullbacks are short. But, you know, I think we just have to be careful and adjust with that and rotate.
1: Yeah. And rotate see that kind care. of stuff coming because it is, it's scary. To, to imagine a situation where Lewandowski is receiving an aerial pass um, with Carvajal as his main defender is a recipe mm. for Madrid conceding. So... Um, that is the thing I think I'm, I don't know. I'm worried about this game though, but it is going to be nerve wracking. The cool news is we're going to have more content for you. Managingmadrid.com. Um, if you like this show, please consider becoming a patron. Normally we don't do mailbags. So if you um, are not a patron and got your question answered, congratulations, Um, but on our normal show, we actually like recap and talk tactics and stuff and then take our guaranteed patron questions. So, uh, you're not going to, this is, this is a kind of one off. Um, we do our best to get to our patron questions, but we, um, if you really want your questions answered, if you have burning real Madrid questions, uh, please consider uh, dropping us a couple bucks, patreoncom slash managing Madrid support this show and our independent journalism. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you all so much. Oh, it's great talking to you, buddy, and uh, A la Madrid. A la Madrid.
4: Please don't get me wrong. See, I forgive you in a song we'll call The Likely Lands. But if it's left to you, I know exactly what you do with all the dreams we have. Cause blood runs to the car with stigastation. It's important to you, it's important to me I, I try, try to, to make you, you see, but you, don't want, you know. don't want to know If you some along, we, long, we get forgiven in a song I'll to touch my life It's on my to wrong. my wrongs When they need needed in these songs Welcome will back outside. side But love runs to go, with oh, the think know That's important to you, it's important to me I tried to make you see But you don't want to know Oh, what became of the likely life What became of the dreams we had Oh, what became, became of forever? forever Oh, what, what became of forever Forever oh, what what became became Don't give me one, see I forgive you With a song we called The Likely Love We all bought the ones we told about, We wrote the songs, it's still the dreams we had But blood runs, sneaker, oh I think it's these, you know That's important to you It's important to me I try to make you see But you don't want to know Oh, what became of The Likely Love What became of the dreams we had? Oh, what became Became of forever? Oh, what became of forever? We'll never know. important to you Yes, it's important to me to I try, try to make you see you don't, want you don't want to know Oh, what became Of the likely lives What became Of the dreams we had Oh, what became Of forever Oh, what became